This is an APAC EO production. Welcome to episode 86 of the EO Business Podcast for APAC. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Bruce Dicehart from Meld Strategies. Hi, Bruce. Oh, hello, Brendan. How are you going? I'm great. It's uh, good that we, we finally uh, connected after tic-tacking for a few weeks. Um, yeah, it's taken a little while. Tell us what Meld does. Uh, we are a smart building consultant. So we work with uh, developers and property design professionals to create smart buildings. So essentially we get technology into property developments to make them smarter and, and better. So is that, it must be growing like with the whole sort of mega trend of, you know, the world going towards renewables and, you know, yes, net, net yes, zero yes. by 2050. How, how's that, like how long have you been going for? Uh, we've been going for about nine years, but uh, I've been in the industry for about, uh, I'd say, coming up to 30 years. So it's been a slow burn. Yeah, <laughs> wow. this particular point. It's been a bit of a, bit of a journey. Uh, I'm actually an architect by training, uh, right. but I've specialised in technology um, over the years to arrive at this particular point before setting up Mel nine years ago. And um, do I remember correctly that you used to work for one of the big construction companies and that's what, where yeah, you saw the opportunity? companies. Yeah, that's right. I was uh, with Land Lease for about uh, 16 years. Wow. And uh, I was the head of technology and property there. And um, as is the evolution of my career, I've pretty much sort of invented my way along the way to identify what's uh, new and emerging in the industry to uh, eventually create a business where I could uh, work where my passion and skills and interests actually lie. So it's, uh, I guess, it's a bit of a sweet spot from a career perspective to arrive at this particular point. So when I think of most big companies, I don't see them as innovators. Was Lendlease an innovator in this space? Uh, well, not in this particular space, which is probably the reason why I went out and uh, you know, did it myself um, eventually. But I mean, one of innovation was one of their core values, and, and definitely, you know, innovation is in my, I guess, DNA really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, when I first started out. In how I got into technology, I often get asked the question, how did I uh, end up uh, doing technology from starting off in architecture? And it was basically through computer design. So when I was studying um, architecture, I was one of the first people to actually get into the use of computers for you know, designing buildings and so forth. Really? And, uh, how, long yeah. ago, how long ago did you study architecture? I, I, it's just a given these days, uh, isn't it, that, that well, people would would use computers to design? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, right. So when I was going through there, so I went to graduate by 91, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, essentially, computers were not commonplace at all. In fact, when we graduated, uh, there was a massive recession on. Uh, I was down in Melbourne uh, where I was, and pretty much everyone was out of work. So none of, no one in my year actually had employment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and, uh, you know, you'd run into people driving taxis and in a, serving you in a theatre and all that kind of stuff. And uh, as it turned out, the, the, the skill which was being chastised for, um, you know, in doing architecture, there's myself and another uh, colleague, uh, Jonathan uh, Finkelstein, and we, um, you know, we're the only people doing CAD. And uh, when he came out, this recession occurred. And then next minute that we had the going, well, we had the uh, the dean of, of the faculty going. Well, could you run some training courses for architects to teach them and how to use uh, this this CAD software? And uh, we suddenly found ourselves with a skill, 
And he said, well, look, you, you run the workshops. I'll tell you what, you know, just for, for goodwill to the industry there, you get to, you, you, you keep the, the country, uh, the, uh, the fees from the courses you actually set oh, okay. up. Whatever yeah, you create, yeah. you know, comes to you, it's like right, courses. So it suddenly became sort of mini entrepreneurs and we had to do everything from setting up the networks to writing the course where, you know, never lectured or taught before. So everything was from ground up. And I guess that was a very sort of entrepreneurial um, start to everything. And what was meant to go for just a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months, which then turned into a couple of years. Uh, so cut a long story short, you know, it was enormously successful. And mm. we were teaching architects um, how to use technology essentially so we were having to sort of explain to people how things worked and what the processes were became gainfully employed uh you know ended up setting up the first um course in undergraduate uh computing uh at the uh, university of melbourne and the architecture faculty there and so that was uh, enormously successful and then um did my master's off the back of that um in technology and so forth and it was right point there after working other architectural practices and so forth got picked up by land lease there and yeah amazing one thing so, to another yeah so i guess being teaching the course you must that must have been a great way to further your learning as well well yes it, it is and um you know after doing my master's and so forth uh, uh in architecture and in technology, I then wrote a book off the back of that because someone said, oh, we should turn it into a book. And I thought, okay, well, how hard could that be? Uh, how <laughs> it turns out. Um, so I, basically it was on, I was on the topic of digital documents, you know, i.e. can uh, uh, digital documents, you know, at the time, remember this early computing days, you know, are mm. they the equivalent of a physical document that we all know? And so you then have to dive deep and understand the basics of, well, what is a document? Right, and what is it? How does it actually work? But I guess that process of of having to explain to others and get it down in writing taught me a lot about how you can articulate otherwise complex concepts that people don't really understand. And how do I how do I write it in a way that actually helps the layman to understand that? Mm. Um, after I left Len Least, um, I did similar sort of thing. I wrote a book um, called Smarter Buildings, Better Experiences and, uh, you know, unpacked my brain from 16 years of having to explain things to people and hitting my head against the wall or going, well, what are these unusual topics of conversation? For example, I'd mentioned IP, you know, the concept of, you know, TCPIP and, you know, internet protocol. But, however, not knowing what IP is, you, know, you have the lawyers leaning forward in the room going, is that, what are you talking about? You're talking about intellectual property? I was like, nah, nah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. you know, you, you have to be very mindful of your audience. And, and I guess one of the key skills that, you know, I have learned over time is understanding and reading your audience and what level are they at and then how to articulate things in a way that, that, that people can actually um, relate to. Mm. And, so- um, you know, it, it, it's, it's challenging because you, you think that, you're dumbing it down to a level you're being too simple, but all I've learned over time is that, you know, you, you can't be simple enough really when you're trying to get people on board. So so there seems to be a few uh, inflection points here where you've done innovation, like you had the, you know, the computer course and then you, you, yeah. you're pushing new ideas at Lendlease and then you've gone out uh, with your own biz- business around smarter buildings. Is there yeah. a general pushback from, I don't know, what, when you're doing something new, Yes. People sort of like, I don't know, poo-poo it or, or is there, oh, totally. embrace it or? No, it, 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 and uh, mileage always varies, right? So um, I don't know if some of your listeners would be familiar with, uh, with a concept called the diffusion of innovations. You've probably seen this sort of, you know, hype cycle sort of type of, you know, Charles, I don't know, it's a, it's a, 
um, a chart which basically says. Um, um, so you have your early adopters, the innovators, early early adopters, early majority, late majority, and you got the laggards down the end, right? So, yeah, yeah. You know, that that was that was developed over you know from a study of you know uh, sociology, and um, look, everyone is actually wired differently, right? And and down the conservative end on there, they are very evidence based in their approach, so they will not change until there's irrefutable evidence, right? That this is um, you know, it, it is true. Like, so climate change deniers, for example, there, you know, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Right. Whereas the innovators and early adopters and go, yeah, you know, I understand the principles of it. You know, I'm on board. Um, and then we'll work towards innovating and creating a change and difference and so forth. Uh, and, and so forth. And the same totally applies, um, when you're trying to, um, relate to people and where they actually are. And I can usually pick up very quickly where people are, are, are um, at on their own journey and, and will adjust my conversations according to, for example, are they an asset owner, are they a builder, are they a subcontractor, are they a tenant, are they, you know, where, where are they actually coming from? And we'll have to adjust my language and approach to suit, uh, you know, where I'm perceiving that their the head is actually at in their understanding of things. Where, where do you place yourself on the chart? Um, I, uh, I'm not probably at the absolute leading edge. I would say that, um, you know, I'm, uh, definitely an early adopter, right? Cause yeah. I like to sort of try things and test things and, uh, uh, that point there, but I'm also, you know, bleeding, but, uh, you know, hasn't ever been done or completely like, oh, okay, that's an interesting concept. But then I try, I usually try and pick up on things that, that are going on in other industries or other areas to say, well, how would that apply to our industry and how could that actually work here? Um, and then just, you know, work, weave through, you know, the, the, the thinking that particular way. And where do you think for businesses they can, you know, like if we look at that chart, where mm-hmm. where's the biggest opportunity to, I don't know, make a business flourish? Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm like yeah, going, I'm I wonder, sh- it's like if you're an innovator, right, you're like the yep. inventor, so maybe that's a bit too early. I'm, well, I'm, I think I think I think for for you know in, in, in your business you need to recognise the fact that your own staff yeah are, are going to uh, be various different spectrums of their threshold and tolerance for innovation right so how open are you to to that and some are going to have to be going to be more conservative they might be in certain types of you know roles. Mm. Um, and others are going to be more responsive to change and so forth. So, you know, if you want to kind of innovate in your business, obviously you have to sort of match that persona <laughs> uh, yeah. and that way of thinking to those, those you know, those, those people on there. And it may not be the people that, that are in the roles that they're in. You know, you might have innovators that are in accounting and you just expect the opposite, for example. So I think, you know, if you recognise that, but then you also got to recognise that with it in your customers as well and go, well, how open are they to some new thought or way you've got about doing things, right? Mm. Um, and this then turns back into well, how, how fast is the rate of change actually going on? Um, you know, outside uh, as well as bringing on these new ideas and these new innovations and so forth that are going to actually cause change. I mean, that really is the only constant now is change itself, right? And then, you know, how 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 quick and how agile are you going to be to adapting to those changes as they occur? Yeah, no, I mean, I've certainly seen it in, um, in, the, in the training industry where you have, you know, these innovations, you innovate a new product and then, 
there's all these people start copying you and then it gets to the point where everyone can do it and it kind of it's a race to the everyone seems to compete race the bottom, so, that's right yeah, that's the commodity it, thing so and, mm. and it, it's just so i've kind of come up with this theory that you you constantly have to be innovating otherwise you you know your business goes to crap yes yes, yes not yes. not like it depends <laughs> over what period but Generally speaking, yeah. you need to be yeah, looking yeah. for new opportunities and new new ways of doing things to to be better yeah. than the competition. Yeah, there's a, there's another chart which I like to sort of explain to people as well, um, and it's based upon there's, there's an uh, there's an analyst company in the tech world called Gartner, and they create these things called hype cycles, um, and it starts off at the uh, at, at a trigger point at the beginning, and it goes up this parabola, then goes up to a thing called the um, peak of inflated expectations um and uh it then so what what this is all about basically it starts off at a point where we're going go here's a new new concept or a new technology mainly is what they're talking about let's let's say bluetooth for example people could understand that and then it comes out people hear about this sort of certain technology go wow this is amazing this is going to be the best things in sliced bread this is going to be going to change our world blah 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 um and then after that is a thing the trough of disillusionment and sometimes what can happen then is this sort of you know reality sets in and going oh my god this is just you know this is super hard right this is just way harder than uh you know all the technology is immature or etc but that then comes out of that trough of disillusionment and up a thing called the slope of enlightenment um, and then towards the thing called the plateau of productivity. Now, what Gartner does is they track different technologies along this path. And they go, well, where is it on the maturity life cycle? We get all super excited about the, you know, the first round of electric vehicles or the, um, you know, whatever the type of technology thing is as well. And then when you, you understand that this is a natural cycle that technologies go through as well, you then begin to understand also there's another kind of, I like to think of it as a psychology thing um, as, as well. And I think people, teams and organizations go through the same thing. You, know, you, you trigger an idea, you have this peak of inflated expectation. Like, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be the best thing to slice bread. And then you get into the idea a bit more and you break it apart. And sometimes you can go, oh my God, this thing is just way harder right than i first thought right so do you abandon there do you pull out do you pull the pin or do you actually then figure out a ways to sort of you know cut through that and, and make the innovation actually work you know to the next generation the next level of thought of it which leads up to this you know um slope of enlightenment and eventually out to a point you know of, of this um uh, you know, plateau of, um, of, of productivity. So I like to think of those two different things, the diffusion of innovation and the, and the um, that hype cycle part of it there as a way of sort of balancing the way that we, we, we see behaviours and the people's adoptions of technologies and new ideas and innovation. When you were explaining that, Bruce, I was thinking, geez, every business I've started, I think I've been through that hype cycle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You're just I, like, I think it, it can, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, certainly, you know, you 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 go in all guns blazing thinking it's going to be fantastic and and then you actually you get you know you get a few breaks and then it's like oh my god what have i got myself into and and you have to either work it out or die pretty much that's right and as i said i think you know people can go through this on an individual basis you know as a team yeah Mm. or as a business Mm. you go through these Mm. sort of different stages but i think you know 
been this sort of, I guess, the innovation sort of side of, you know, business for, for, for long enough now to realize, yeah, these are exactly that. They, they are cycles, right? And if you recognize mm. that these cycles are actually going on, it's like, yeah, okay, this feels familiar, right? I've been here before. Yeah, sure, there's going to be a few setbacks and so forth. doesn't mean you're wrong, right? Mm. But I mean, it just means that you've got to sort of either, you know, tough it out and then recognize this is what's happening. You know, in, in, in what we do, um, you know, we describe it, you know, the technology is hard, but we say that's only 20% of the problem. Right. Our biggest issue um, compared to the actually implementing new technologies, the human engineering aspect of it, we'd say that's 80% of our job, right, is, mm. is the human engineering aspects of like, how do you help people along this journey of bringing about change? So we can't just, for example, just push out a specification and go, here you go, here's all the tech and how, how it's meant to come together. You know, there's a process there where we have to, um, in implementation, help the builder, help their subcontractors, help the client to understand what they're getting. Um, there's a lot of handhold actually that goes on that's involved mm. um, in, in, in bringing about um, change to a point. And that human engineering part of it is underestimated. Yeah. Because I think all of us naturally uh, are inclined to what I describe as um, optimism bias. Right. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and that's the belief is like, oh, how, how hard could it be? Sure, this is going to be straightforward. And, and we all, we, we're all sort of biased in our optimism about a lot of things. You know, how long is it going to take a task to do? Actually, probably twice as long as you first envisaged almost every time. Somehow you suck yourself into thinking it's going to be easier every time. But um, yeah, I can, these are sort of things that we've learned over time in, you know, in innovation and change. So, so Mel, you said it's been going nine, almost ten years, is it? Yes. Yeah. Nine Which years, is yeah. that? That's a huge achievement. Um, what I was yeah. curious about is, so like you get a you get a building client on. I mean, when do they come yeah. on? Do they come on when they're trying to get the approval process? Because it'd be fairly like I'm just thinking that the technologies could change between when you were first engaged to actually yes when they're actually that's... building. Um, things yeah. might change but... along the way. That, that is true. So, look, we do have a process around all that and there's a standard sort of technology stack that, 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 that we adopt. And I guess similar to, as you can imagine, when you're building a building, there's foundations that you have to get to the building so that the whole building stands up straight. Yeah, it's the same mm. thing applies with technologies. So there's, there's basic things that you have to do with respect to networks and data platforms and things like that. And now those other things then sit on top of that in terms of the uh, what are the actual sort of technologies themselves. And these days, fortunately, it's getting actually easier um, mm. to to implement technologies simply because the standards are becoming more open, uh, more interoperable, um, and it's easier to integrate different systems together. You know, data can be acquired through things like you know APIs and other types of methods now. So it's becoming easier and easier, but what that means, though, is as the as the um, technology is becoming more ubiquitous. So pretty much anything you look at in the building now, there will be some way of either the, the technology system itself becoming smarter or better, or there's a way of being able to monitor, monitor things. So everything from air quality to people counting to vibrations in building to, yeah, there's a whole range of different things that are, that are going on now. And so in a building, we would see, you know, uh, 30, 40 different sort of technology systems, you know, sometimes more than that that are, that are going on. So the, the, the science of it is figuring out how do you go about that in a way that's sort of uh, current, you know, open and so forth. And, and interestingly, interestingly, you know, one of the ways you get asked this question all the time, how do I make my building future-proof? 
interestingly, yeah. the, 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 the most basic thing you can do is provide the physical pathways of being able to more easily install, maintain, or add um, technologies to a building over time. Because if you don't have those physical pathways, it gets really difficult to be able to do that, whether it's telecommunications to the building or you know, other things like that as well. No, there's a lot of sort of forward thinking that you have to do about accepting the fact that going back to our theme of innovation and, and change, but accepting the fact that um, that change is inevitable, right? You can't create a smart building that's impermeable to change. So you've designed it to be so far in the future technology-wise that you're never going to have to change anything for 10 years. Like that's, you know, yeah. It, yeah. it's a misnomer. It's not going to happen, right? So how do you design a building in a way that contemplates the fact that change will occur and you will need to update these systems in the building, you know, progressively, you know, every three years, every five years um, uh, in a way that will cause the least amount of disruption that you can yeah. easily swap one system out with another system and so forth. So so what's your business case to your customers? Like is it, I don't know, it makes their well, buildings more green or it gets a certain neighbours well, rating? Or- it's yeah, sure. It's an evolution. So I think, look, a lot of people now will have heard about green buildings, right? Yep. So green buildings is a it, it's a holistic design approach whereby you are looking at a building in its in its its totality, right? So you're looking at the materiality of the building, you know, other other materials being used to construct the building, sustainable, for example, uh, like you know uh, timber structured buildings. Um, coming from a renewable uh, resource, um, you know, what's the performance of the facade or what's the air quality, what's the air filtration, all those type of things, right? So the industry went through a huge uh, change when green buildings came about. I was there back in the least days and we created the first five-star green star, you know, building at, uh, at 30 to Bond. And that was an entire process um, involved in, 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 in creating that sort of change. So, um, so green buildings was a thing and the industry had to get used to it. What does that really mean? Um, and now as technology has become more prevalent, now as there are more technology uh, businesses um, around that rely upon technology to, to, to thrive and build, you know, online businesses, trading companies, et cetera, there's a realisation that the workplace environment has to be able to support um, those businesses with good technology infrastructure for example, telecommunications serving the building, but then also the performance of the space from sustainability perspective. So we need to be measuring um, any, um, you know, water uh, consumption, you know, renewable energy needs to be monitored, all these different things to give a total picture of, of a housing and its performance performing. So that's kind of the, the plumbing part of it, make sure the building actually is um, demonstrably green and can prove and demonstrate that it's, it, it's complying with various different mandatory um, uh, standards such as, you know, Neighbours and Green Star. Uh, but then from an occupant perspective, um, people want to have, you know, better user experiences. I mean, we've all come into buildings where it's just a, terrible user experience, you know, coming into a building, going through some security process, trying to get through a speed style with, you know, lanyards and this, that and the other, or questioning why is it that I need three different keys and cards to use the building or get into entry facilities and so forth. So people want sort of simpler, better user experiences. And so, so it, it comes down to commerciality then because it long, does, yeah. long, long term, if you've got a bad user experience, maybe 
the building's harder to rent out or correct yeah correct yeah. And people get annoyed by that so therefore how can you create a better value proposition for prospective tenants to say look this is the great building why it's green it's considered the way you use technologies as a tenant it considers the way that you come into the building into the, either by the uh, main lobby entrance or the park or the industry facilities or what amenities are available to you. i mean a lot of commercial office buildings are coming almost hotel like should i say you mm. know in 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 their uh, in their style, particularly in a trip. I mean, they're like some of the end of trip facilities that you see around now, some of the best five star hotels that you could ever find. You know, we've done a building down in Melbourne, for example, that's got a sauna. I kid you not, in the end of trip facilities. Um, and just amazing things like, you know, towel services and cool down rooms. And uh, wow. there's a bit of one upmanship that goes on a little bit with respect to, you know, how far you're going to take this and how amazing is it. So, you know, particularly now with, you know, uh, you know, post-COVID environments, there's a lot to do with, um, you know, touchless entry and uh, everywhere and, you know, air quality monitoring and basically making a workplace environment that supports flexible workspaces, co-share working spaces. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of lot of things that, that asset owners want to do to ensure that tenants are, you know, enticed and uh, uh, retained in the building yeah. um, and want to, you know, continue sort of using the, the, that, that, that space. But, you know, flexibility is a, is a real key, particularly now as we're you know, entering you know, flexible working out environments and arrangements and so forth. And so um, I just wanted to also quickly touch on your uh, reasonably new member to EO. What was your what was your reason for jumping on board? Uh, well, my well, my wife. Yeah, yeah your <laughs> wife's also in EO. Yeah. She's, yeah. She, yeah, she's been in EO for three years, so that gave me kind of a, a look over the fence for, for that amount of time and yep. I could – I could see her grow and mature and, you know, okay, you know, we, we, we're both uh, business owners here. So, yeah, what could possibly go wrong in the same household, household you know? <laughs> one's up, one's down, both down, both up. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. uh, it's an interesting journey. But, you know, I mean, the thing that was really good is that I could see how much um, – uh, support she was able to get from from her own forum group, for example. So when she was having a you know a tough month or a tough issue, um, and being able to share and, and having those reliable answers with other people, really, yeah, I think it would feel as though you weren't alone. Yeah, yeah. Particularly yeah. as a business owner, I think we can all relate to that. It's like Jesus, just me, right? You know, yeah. even though you've got others working for you, you're the one with the sole responsibility of you know where to from here. Yeah, mm-hmm. or how do I deal with this scenario? Because there's no kind of you know, as you know, sort of rule book to cover every scenario. Right? There's always going to be something new that's coming up at various different scales. And I think observing all that says, okay, well, it's time for me to sort of you know step up and do something similar. And I have been involved in other types of you know groups similar to this, but nothing. Uh, of the same milk as, as, yeah. as EO. So, uh, yeah, so early days, but, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the next part. That's brilliant. All right, Bruce, well, it's been great um, speaking to you this morning. If people want to find yeah. out more about MELD, uh, what's your website? Yeah, just go to uh, meldstrategies.com um, yep. and it'll be laid out there for you. And, um, yeah, and uh, just going to continue with them. I'm, Meldstrategies.com or you know, reach out um, you know, via you know, Brendan or EO or yep. whatever. Happy to just talk about anything, right? So, um, yeah, uh, more, than, more than happy to give, give you any, any guidance, whatever. All right. Good on you, Bruce. Thanks so much. Awesome. All right. Appreciate the opportunity, Brendan. You've been listening to an APAC EO production. 
I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it would be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.